Welcome to the Farm Beats podcast. Farm Beats is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Beat podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Natasha Omizu. And I'm Rana Farasati, and we are glad to have you with us as we begin our discussion on aquaculture. Today, we have the pleasure to talk with Azelia Alma Shafira, also known as Sally. She is the CEO of Banu, which is Indonesian technology startup focusing on sustainable fish production. Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Azalia Alma Shafira, but people call me Sally. I'm from Indonesia, born and raised, and I co-founded and also I'm leading uh, an aquaculture technology startup called Banu. So uh, Banu is doing um, things to solve the productivity issues in aquaculture, especially in um, calm water aquaculture, such as tilapia, catfish, shrimp, and other commodities, uh, especially in Indonesia, by producing Internet of Things or IoT-based solutions, such as microbubble aerators, uh, water quality sensors, and also remote monitoring system, so that the fish farmers can uh, produce more with less, uh, less what? Less costs, less um, water waste and also uh, less carbon emission. And this company was founded in 2018. So it's been a long time, but we started as a research during our undergraduate program and it continues until now. Um, and the co-founding team is actually pretty diverse. I myself did not come from aquaculture or ag agriculture background, or even like a technology background. I came from management background. I studied management uh, in undergraduate and continued um, my master's in London in uh, MSc in innovation, entrepreneurship and management from Imperial College London. And um, some of my co-founders, like they, come, they all came from different backgrounds as well. Uh, my co-founder and COO comes from mechanical engineering, and then one came from electrical engineering, and one came from aquaculture. So we all just gathered our knowledge together to build this company from, from the ground, basically, until now we have commercialized in Indonesia and some other countries as well. Really yeah. cool. That is really interesting that you have a, such a diverse team and you also have like a quite different background than aquaculture, but it's still useful to manage the aquaculture itself. So I was like curious, like what makes you interested in the first place like to jump in this aquaculture industry, especially like in Indonesia? Yeah, it's a it's quite an unexpected turn of, turn of event for me because I never imagine or like didn't have any experience in the field but it started from joining some competitions as a student you know you know we students are very ambitious in you know um fulfilling our cv and etc and then it was actually because of because the co-founders are my friends or like friends of friends mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so Fajar, our CEO and co-founder, who basically founded or invented the technology, the microbubble technology, um, he started as a research assistant of one of the lecturers, and then he wanted to spin it off, like, like the technology, into something that's more commercial. So it's uh like you know shifting from research focus to commercial focus. And then um, he wanted to join this accelerator program, but he didn't have any big business background and asked some people to help him. And then we just, uh, like my friends introduced me to him and then he pitched the idea of using this technology for aquaculture. And I have always been interested in food tech because I love eating. <laughs> and then um, I live nearby um, like a rice or like a paddy field like rice farm and I've always wondered like what goes behind the scene of what I'm eating like what's on my plate every day so I thought like just just want to try this industry because I used to join competitions but it's mostly about business or like economy and it's a breath of fresh air for me um, and then um, I started to do the research about the industry and just felt like, oh, there's so many potential, but like lack of management is the one of the biggest things. So when we won some of the competitions, uh, like global competitions, uh, like Cisco Global Problem Solver Challenge, and then Thought for Food and MIT Solve, we got this exposure and also some kind of funding to further our research. And I, as I get deeper into the industry, I it fell deeper into the industry compared to, you know, some of my, uh, like the usual career path that my peers uh, go to, like banking or finance or uh, consulting and et cetera. It just feels different for me. Like it's, um, it's just something that I think more of, more of, people on my side like from my background needs to do like contributing what we know to um to improve the management of the underground or like um different industries like agriculture aquaculture and um you know it's it's great to see how the industry is improving or like how um if banu itself can improve just from a better management or like a better business model or like better planning, better strategy. And this is how, you know, I, at first I was like blind, leading the blind. Um, but now um, I get more involved in the industry and I, I know more people in the industry and I feel like um, it's actually very fun, com com contrary to popular belief that agriculture is pretty boring or like old fashioned. No, it's actually a very advanced industry and technology is like very um, popular in this space. And it's exciting to see people getting more um, involved and keep, you know, keeping more interest into this industry. So yeah, that's one way to put it, how I fell in love deeper and deeper into aquaculture, especially. So Sally, can you talk a little bit more about Banu and then, so, you are the industry is introducing the microfish, right? Yeah. And the fiscal, can I say mm -hmm. fiscal? Yeah, fiscal. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about those technologies? Yeah, so 
actually the like microfish the micro bubble aerator it wasn't meant for aquaculture so it the research was uh, conducted in a water waste management um and then we feel that or like fajar felt that um they he doesn't think like it's it's like a kind of lucrative business like uh, like the market is not very big and then he, we just discussed and then one of my friends was from aquaculture right like he studied aquaculture and um he felt like let's just try this for fish farms and then we got uh, like a collaboration from one of the a company in Indonesia to do some CSR and then uh, we did the research on aquaculture and it get, it gives a quite a good impact to the fish growth and then we designed it um, from differently from the research because the research was from was for water waste and then we designed it especially for the fish farmers so that it will be easier to install easier to maintain and then also will be more efficient um, in terms of energy uh, so that that was something that we did or like the research was quite a long time like about two to three years uh, and we launched it uh, last year uh, and then fisco the water quality sensor it's actually one is for the sensor so it senses the pH, uh, temperature, oxygen level, etc. Um, but it also automates microfish so that microfish doesn't have to operate 24 hours, uh, but only uh, when the water quality is um, is bad. For example, if the sensor uh, reads the oxygen level to be below probably like 4 ppm, then it will signal the uh, microfish to turn on. And then we'll to turn it off after it has stabilized, after the oxygen is stable. Uh, and then the third one is our mobile app. So it's just a remote monitoring for our hardware that's in the field. So it can uh, let the farmers know whether the microfish is on or off and uh, how what's the real-time condition of the pond. They can see it from, uh, so Fisco can send the data to the app. And it's also a warning system. So when the probably there's an electricity cutoff or like um, if there's something wrong or the pH drops suddenly or the oxygen drops suddenly, they will give uh, like the application will give low, like a notification to the farmer so they can they can troubleshoot it immediately because it's it's basically something that we have iterated so many times because we tested it to the farmers uh, directly. And we've got so many feedback. Uh, we started to cut like a too advanced. That's why we uh, ended up not launching every everything at once. So we have launched Microfish, but not Fisco, because apparently you don't need not everyone needs a sensor for their operations, um, and it's much more affordable for microfish, right? So they just need an oxygen or like the, an aerator that is more affordable and um, energy efficient. So um, for Fisco and our mobile app is now uh, in our R&D process, we're planning to launch it uh, next year. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's like our 
anatomy actually. So microfish is like our lung, it supplies oxygen in deep water, and visco is like the brain because it's it reads, it senses the water quality and gives signal to other hardware. And the mobile app is like, you know, just the mobile app. So it's like a remote monitoring system so that farmers don't have to go to the farm every day. With this all with this three technology, like the key word is a technology that does not replace people, but it helps them because we don't want technology to replace their work, um, but to help their day-to-day -day work so that they don't have to come to the farm every day. They can cut uh, some operational costs and they can harvest more with less uh, mortality risks, which is the biggest risk in aquaculture. Yeah, so that's a bit of a motivation and how we came up with the idea and um, it's actually a pivot, right, from an, a, a pretty different industry, but it works um, and it's actually uh, had a great impact in terms of fish growth and then the wastewater management. So like the wastewater is not very damaging to the environment and also it saves energy. Uh, and also carbon emission because it's like 40% more energy efficient and ha produces less carbon dioxide uh, from the agricultural operations. Yeah, so that's a bit of about what Banu is doing. Oh, nice. Yeah, I really like it, all the technology that you are doing and providing to the farmers because I can see it's really sustainable. You Your industry focuses on a sustainable um, product production so it's really cool and it, it, one thing that you pointed that i really like it as well is when you said the technology that you are uh, developing is not to replace people it's mm -hmm. just to help them and to improve the management and the activities as well so i i was just wondering do you face any challenge to with especially small growers uh, to introduce the technology to them or to make them accept those technology? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course we did. Like that's the biggest point uh, of challenge that we had even more than the technology itself. So like we felt that um, developing the technology, doing the prototyping is like 10 times easier than actually introducing it to the market. One is because um, we assumed that the market is not very educated about technology and we were very wrong about that. They're actually very smart. Like the fish farmers are very advanced in terms, like they know what they're doing, right? And they know the technology. Um, they've been tr they've been inventing things themselves, like especially aerators. So when we t uh, tell them that we produce aerators, like they, they are asking very technical questions that sometimes we didn't even know the answer to back then. So it was quite a learning curve for us because we ended up learning so much from the farmers instead. So um, we started to develop this open-mindedness and openness to feedback, which is very critical to our, our development um, you know, curve. And then the second one is uh, because as I said, the why we came up with the term not to replace people, it was because of uh, something that um, we endured uh, at the first years of our uh, R&D. 
because people are very skeptical about AI, IoT, like that kind of thing, because in their mind, it um, technology will come to replace them, right? And in some cases, they do, because like, as we know, like some technologies like auto feeders, or like auto what, automatic what, artificial intelligence, blah, blah, AI based what, and um, they do replace some of the work they uh, the farmers are doing, like, because of automatic feeders, they don't have to uh, have manual labor or like people to give the fish feed to the fish. So yeah, they, they can cut like labor costs. So there uh, there's kind of some kind of like a tension between the technology producers and farmers uh, at first, because they always think that we are, we are coming to replace you. So that's why our campaign has always been since that point on, uh, to let them know that we're not going to, we're not replacing you, we're helping you. Uh, we want you to still have your job, but you don't have to do it. This, do, you don't have to do the manual labor too hard. Like, we, they don't have to come to the farm and then produce the same, uh, produce the same harvest, um, but with less, you know, effort, with less energy wasted. Uh, so that's the main thing that we have to educate them because uh, not everyone will accept technology easily because, uh, yeah, they, they're afraid to be replaced. And then the third one is, um, it's a very traditional industry. So we have to do a grassroots marketing basically to um, do a market penetration. We have to go to each farm, go to the field, and lots of the farms are in rural areas. So it took it took a lot of time. And even during the prototyping, if you want to do some pilot projects with the farmers, um, aquaculture, it's like it takes time. One cycle usually is like in three or four months before ha before the farmers harvest. So if you want to know the impact of our technology, we have to wait for three to four months uh, for them to harvest. That's why it took years for us because the trial and error is not as it's not as uh, quick as maybe like social media or Facebook when you can just do a survey and just do A/B testing, and one for one day and it's over. We have to do A/B testing for one cycle, so that's a bit of a challenge. A lot of operational challenges and climate challenges. Like we cannot predict the weather. Some of the research failed just because of like a sudden raining season or like unpredictable weather or like a disease outbreak, something that we cannot control. And it's something that we learned along the way because we were undergrad students, you know, like it's, we don't know everything at once. So lots of learning and how we persevere until now is just because our team is very passionate about what we're doing and we all have the same like a shared vision like we all we all different have have different backgrounds but somehow despite having other maybe uh, during that time they have another job or they have another uh, commitment they still have time to uh, develop the product and go to the market to do the research so that's uh, like one of the keys of how banu is surviving is if is the people itself they get themselves yeah, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Uh, uh, I'm also interested to know, like, do you think 
by investing this technology in a small scale fish farmers will be a win-win solution and maybe like in the future it could also increase the national production of aquaculture uh, maybe in Indonesia or any other countries that you propose yeah um, I think it's a the best way to invest in the national nationwide aquaculture industry is through the smallholder farmers because 90% or like even more than 90% of the production of aquaculture is from smallholder farmers. So that's why, um, you know, it's just, it's just the right thing to start from the, from the ground up from uh, the smallholders and then to maybe middle to the, middle up you know um and one thing that we realized is that it's not that difficult once we know uh, the key to the market because like once we succeed in uh, convincing like one farmer in one like a uh, in one area it becomes like a ripple effect uh, and then the others will follow him because the, the aquaculture industry is a very much what is it a word of mouth based industry so like um, once a technology is working and someone heard of it so it becomes a big thing and it's something that we realized when we started selling the product and um, well yeah there are some big players uh, for the productivity itself but you know it's just less than 10 percent so it's it, it doesn't add much even it even to the productivity like the scale mm -hmm. you know and what what's also interesting is that small scale is a relative subject because even in Indonesia, small scale uh, can be a farmer that owns like a hundred hectares of farm that can be that can be counted as smallholder because it's like a household like it's privately managed you know it's managed by just one to two people. Um, and they they're still very much a local like they just produce domestically and they're still called small because indonesia is that big mm -hmm. you know like they can just uh, produce this uh for their domestic market um and um they they're they're still very profitable you know so that's why it's a very it's a very interesting industry because something some sometimes smallholder is Really, pretty, pretty advanced in itself, and uh, they can export to other countries as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's interesting insight that I found out in the market. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I'm also like curious. You mentioned that Indonesia is a big countries, right? It's an archipelago and have like a lot of islands and provinces. And how do you define like the market first? For example, this. Uh, to know like which province that you should go first like to help the small scale fish because we have like more than 30 provinces I would say yeah this is where I come in <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> so I always do some kind of like market research uh, and like we always have this evaluation like every month on like how or like who to target and what's the condition, like the economic condition for each country, each country, each uh, region in the country. Um, and so we decided on where to first, it's like we decided where to prioritize to do the marketing based on um, the aquaculture production 
and also the number of fish farmers and the um, electricity and internet penetration. Because some of the farmers that have um, reached out to us, unfortunately, we cannot cater to them yet because of the electricity problem, because we still use electricity, right? We're not using like solar panel um, technology yet. So we have to do the analysis, we have to analyze the requirements, we have the SOP in place on where to prioritize. And then during the second phase, because we have uh, have had like, the exposure, so some people approach us first, and of course we accept it most of the time. We just have this um, priority, oh, you're from this area, so we have some kind of promotions and etc. That's where I come in because every region has to be treated differently. And uh, for the priority areas, we have to make sure that uh, we get to them quickly. So that's why we have different promotions. We have different approach. We have different channels like marketing channels and sales channels uh, for each of these regions. So despite having like Indonesia is a big aquaculture country, right? But like every region has different commodities have different uh, like a favorite species that they grow. So this is also how I uh, decide on the marketing or like the business strategy is like, okay, this area is big on shrimp. This area is big on tilapia and this area is big on probably pangasius. And uh, okay, so what should we prioritize as of now in terms of business profitability? If you're prioritizing on shrimp, then we push more our marketing and advertising towards shrimp farms. And for the different a different month, it can be for tilapia because we're developing this product probably. So in, it's, it's always about the business management of things that we have to uh, come back to every month. Despite having, you know, different technology, uh, our main focus is to um, define the market for every month. Uh, or at least every quarter because uh, because the development is very quick like sometimes okay this month the shrimp market is big and then the next month it's very low because of, there's a disease outbreak and like the, the market is very fluctuative like it's uh, very fluctuating so it's something that I have to do I have to really pay attention to the market because this like the aquaculture market is very unstable in a way, but there are lots of opportunities that we can tap into because of the many commodities we have in Indonesia here. Like we have uh, like hundreds of different species that is very doing very well in the market. And we can even like export things to other countries. Yeah, this is cool because it's important to analyze the market, right? You need to have this, all this information to know where you can where you can invest more as well. So Sally, going back to the uh, mobile app, I think this is really cool, especially for the aquaculture, because as you mentioned, you don't need to be there all the time. You can receive all those information. So can you explain us a little bit more about the app? And I was thinking, uh, does Banu do some training for the farmers to use the app? And also, if they don't have the internet, the service in that time, if they can still receive the data after they get the service or how it can 
you know, how it works when they cannot have the service all the mm. time or if they have some issues. Mm. Yeah, so our mobile app is very much dependent on uh, mobile data or like internet because it's uh, it's connected to the sensor, right? Um, so we're, we're using Wi-Fi for that. So that's why for areas that are not penetrated by the internet yet, it's very difficult to access the mobile app, especially. Maybe they can access both Microfish and Fisco, but mobile app is very much dependent on internet. Um, and about like how it works is, uh, do you know like, in Indo I don't know if it exists in uh, other countries, but like Bardi Home or like a remote control that controls our, uh, we, it's like a, we can we can turn our lamp or like air conditioner off on and off with our phone, so it works like that. But it can control our microfish and physical basically, and we are trying to develop a sensor that that can sense the water quality and record the data in real time but without using too many sensors because it's pretty expensive um, so that it can let it can collect data for uh, predictive analysis for the for the next cycle so that we can see that oh in this cycle in in every um, every time it hits second week or maybe fourth week of the growing cycle the pH always drops. So, okay, so there's a trend in that. They can sense or like they can uh, understand what's happening. Um, so it combines uh, the farmer's knowledge or like gut instinct at least with a real-time data so that it can, they can make a more data-driven um, decision-making. Um, and everything is like recorded and can be seen through their uh, smartphone. So they don't have to access too complicated like um database in their laptop they can just um see it from their mobile phone but yeah you're right like this is like the limitation is still it's that it's still uh dependent on internet uh, but then we fi also find out that actually internet penetration growth is quicker than electricity penetration growth in indonesia so more cities are getting internet but not every city gets more electricity, you know. So that's why it's a quite opportunity for us actually to push through with the with the mobile app. So that's a good news. Do you know if that is, uh, how can I say, it's a more common issues that the the growers can have when they are using the the app, for example. I don't know. Maybe the pH of the water usually is something that they see more uh, issues or the temperature or the oxygen? Um, the main issue is that they, they actually know when something's happening to their pond, but they don't know what's wrong. So how the sensor will help is to define what's wrong with the uh, pond before it's too late. Because usually um, the problem is that, not that they're not aware, because sometimes like the, if the pH drops, usually they smell something or the water gets different color. But then... Um, they don't realize it until in the morning, until there's like a sunlight. But usually the change happens at night when they're sleeping. So that's why this industry has no business hours. A lot of times like the farmers have to go to the farm at 3 a.m. just because, um, you know, there's like an electricity cut out or um, there's just like a massive fish death 
happening. So how the app and the sensor will help is that they can sense the danger or like the uh, adverse event immediately so that they have to they don't have to um, come to the morning and see that they're too late so they can treat it immediately because that's one of the biggest concerns that we learn. So like they always say that we don't need AI yet and stuff now. We just need this a warning system that lets us know when there's something happening in our pond. We do, you don't even have to solve it. We can solve it by ourselves. We just have to know that. We just have to be aware that um, something's happening um, before it's too late. So that's it. That's why uh, one of the biggest learning uh, we we got we gathered is that it's not just like techno like an advanced technology automation and etc. It's more about how we cater or like how we uh, help the farmers um, to be more educated, to be more aware of what's happening to their farms, to help them um, more in tune uh, with their farms instead of making them, distancing them from the operations, you know, because like some of the automation makes the farmers not aware, not even aware of what's going on. So, but uh, our main concern is that um, we need them to be more again closer to the know-how to what's going on to the farm but the, but technology is supposed to help them not to help not to distance them from uh, the operations yeah that's really a brilliant idea like to uh, connecting what the farmers have actually on the pond and uh, show it on the application and make them still be close to the uh, pond itself and not in and not distancing themselves. Uh, I was like wondering in this app, are you also like um, giving them kind of like a reminder, like when to turn on, turn off um, the micro bubble? Um, yeah, yeah, notification, notification. Yeah, notification. Our automation is actually have uh, different different types. One is based on timer. Mm -hmm. uh, if the if the farmers do not uh by the sensor they can automate it still but with a timer like it it turns on uh maybe every um uh, 9 a.m and then mm -hmm. turn off every uh like in in every 10 hours or so mm -hmm. um so with that kind of uh automation we can get we can notify the farmers that oh your your uh microfish will turn on in maybe like half an hour mm -hmm. um and then when when suddenly the microfish turns off with with um outside of the automation time, mm -hmm. it also notify the farmers something's wrong with the uh, microfish because it's not supposed to be off right now, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's things like that because um it will it will um they can self analyze right. So okay, so when the microfish is off when it's not supposed to be off, maybe the electricity gets cut off. Mm. Or maybe there's something wrong with the uh, with the microfish. So they come to the fish farm only when there's something wrong. Uh, instead of usually they have to come every day. So it's like sometimes it's a waste of time, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, they have to come and then nothing happens. Yeah. And really they it's quite far from their home. Like the farm is uh, usually quite far from their home. So we're trying to have, have a more efficient uh, costing. To their farm 
in the mobile app, do you have like any other information that you show farmers in the dashboard? Maybe like the progress of their um fish farm, maybe like production or I don't know, maybe the market price or something. Or it's more likely the condition, like the environmental condition of the pond itself. For now, we're focusing more on the upstream, on the production side. We our focus is to how how to display the data that our sensor and microfish collects and then present it through a graphic. So they have a dashboard, right? A dashboard that shows the condition of their pond. And um, we have a manual database so they can manually input the data of their fish growth and then feed conversion ratio, survival rate, and other parameters that are more about the production instead of the water quality. Mm -hmm. But for the marketplace, we are not going in that direction yet because there's there are already uh, marketplaces um, and we are focusing again, our focus is mainly on water quality. Mm -hmm. And for the future plan is to maybe not focus so much on, uh, you know, marketplace for the fresh fish, like mm -hmm. the for harvest, harvest for the harvest, mm -hmm. but more on the input side. So we will have a marketplace, but for the fish feed and then the other technologies um, to help them get the most affordable um uh, input for their cultivation because one of the problems is that they cannot get quality fish seed mm -hmm. fish feed or like um what is it like some kind of supplements that in mm -hmm. their local area so we have our own focus and that is stream side sorry in the pre-harvest period wow i can see Banu has a lot of things to yeah. provide for for the farmers. growers for the farmers mm -hmm. <laughs> and sally uh so the industry, right? The the Banu. Do you have any plans to uh, have this service or have this technology in other country instead of Indonesian, for example, Brazil and US? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Actually, yeah, of course. Um, we see that um our technology is very versatile to all conditions, all species. We got some demands and orders from other countries like Ghana, India, uh, Lake Latin America. We are shipping our product now to Ecuador, actually. It's a big shrimp farm, right, in Ecuador. Um, so we're seeing that we're going to expand quite soon. Um, and it's mostly to aquaculture countries in India, Thailand, uh, Brazil, Ecuador, and such things. And what we need is maybe now on the more on the legal side because one of the challenge we are facing right now we have okay we have a market we have defined the operational procedure now uh, we're more on the scaling up side which is also a challenge a challenge in itself again uh, we have no industry experience in manufacturing and like ip or things like that so it's more uh we have to learn pretty quickly about how to distribute these electrical devices to other countries because it's a very uh, strict regulation that we have to face but yeah it's a big market but also it's a big uh, responsibility so a lot of things that we are dealing right now is not even related to product development or even aquaculture anymore it's more on that legal administration financing and marketing 
So yeah, another, it's the next step to every, I guess, st startup, right? Now we're more on the commercialization uh, phase, but that's also what's interesting. So yeah, um, maybe we can come to Brazil soon. Who knows? Yeah, to US too. You are also welcome to come here and yeah. introduce the technology because it's really interesting. And I think it's not yet like introducing here, maybe in US or even like in Brazil. So yeah. Yeah, it's a huge potential. Yeah, yeah. Lots of the micro bubble or nano bubble technology in other countries, they are usually for salmon or like uh other species. So it's very it's usually expensive. So it's not meant for smallholders. I think we're the first one that designs this, especially for smallholder farmers. Mm -hmm. With this huge potential of like Banu in the future that you can also already see maybe right now. So what are you most looking forward um, out of these all potentials? Um, I think how it's more about the uh, generational um, mindset. Mm -hmm. Now, more young people are, you know, not that embarrassed to go into this space because of the many technologies in uh, introduced, right? I think one of the plus side of um, in technology or agri-tech agri or food tech is that it gives the a new perspective that um, food, produ food production is actually very cool. Like people are now getting more uh, open-minded about Okay, not not every technology has to be about um autom automobiles or like social media or fintech or things like that. But food tech is getting more like getting more uh of a you know audience right now with again communities like Thought for Food or like competitions like big competitions like MIT. So they're helping uh more young people to be interested in this industry. And I'm pretty, uh, and also for aquaculture, especially, it's getting more and more, uh, it's getting more attention from the government also. Um, so it's a good opportunity for us too. We, we're getting more um, government projects uh, compared to maybe five years ago. So one thing is about how people are more willing to collaborate with us and I think the future of aquaculture is pretty bright because it's now replacing capture fisheries um, and it's more sustainable um, and people people are getting more interested in sustainable food production. So it's getting the attention it needs right now and it's getting better every year. So I guess um, we can make aquaculture cooler, cooler mm -hmm. than it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So it's something exciting and I'm glad to be part of it. Yes, Ali, it was really amazing to learn more from you about Banu and this field as well, because it's really interesting. And if our listeners want to know more about Banu, uh, where they can find more information? So the website or the LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, so you can go to the website, but our updates usually uh, are in our Instagram uh, at banu.id and our LinkedIn. Banu Indonesia. So this is usually we also post educational uh like posts about how to cultivate fish and how to um you know how to use technology for their uh cultivation, etc. And our uh what we are doing this month or like this week. 
So yeah, you can keep up with us or like catch up, uh, catch us on our social media. YouTube, we also have YouTube. So you, if you, you want to uh, watch some of our vlogs and also again, um, educational posts, you can go check out our YouTube. Great, thank you. Yeah, is there anything we didn't talk about today that you might want to add or mention or share to our listeners? Well, I think I talk. Oh, I already talked too much. It's <laughs> <laughs> really inspiring, actually, for us, especially like the young generation, to show like, okay, this is a role model that we can see, and see, she can do it. So we can also try to learn from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's all about being a role model of each other, right? So uh -huh. I I always look up to some of the startup founders in, in Indonesia and other countries because I joined the communities for like Thought for Food and um, there are some kind of like startup founders in Indonesia that I feel inspired from like the CEO of eFishery or like some of the uh, CEOs of the aquaculture startup I feel like they're very cool because they're they also don't, didn't come from aquaculture but they still have the dedication to improve the industry and they did it and uh, I just feel like okay so if they can then I also can do it and it is kind of like a uh you know inspiration inspire what is it like motivation. a <laughs> yeah, yeah motivation it's motivation because sometimes I feel like okay um um like i don't know how how aquaculture works should i continue and then i look at them again and i just yeah they can do that i can do that too you know it's just like as easy as that yeah you for sure your your background and your you know everything that you built during this year it's a big motivation for many people for sure <laughs> and Sally, <I> so. <laughs> no for sure it is and a tradition on the Farm Beats uh, podcast is to ask a piece of advice. So can you give some advice for uh, students and people that want to work with aquaculture research? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a big question because I don't even know what uh, what to, you know, what to tell myself um until now but i guess it's just a matter of um having a community um and knowing where to or like knowing what you're doing because um aquaculture again is a sleeping giant but you you have to be aware that for everyone for people to come to this industry they have to be very passionate in what they're doing and not motivated by money or like by um, uh, materialistic things because the ones who survive in this traditional industry is someone who is really passionate about uh, feeding the world or like feeding, uh, you know, feeding the their family it's, uh, themselves. Because like what I learned from the farmers them, uh, themselves is that they're very empathetic people. So for you to survive or if you want to succeed in introducing your technology uh you don't have to be smart you don't have to be intellectually smart you have to be emotionally intelligent you have to be what uh, your key um, key skills uh 
that you have to possess um, to introduce technology in this industry is empathy and also compassion for your market. Because no matter how advanced or like how, you know, evolutionary uh, your technology is, it it doesn't matter if you cannot feel or like you cannot um, you know, empathize with your users, which are the farmers. So understand who you're selling to or like understand your market and not and also be close to them and um you know develop your product or like develop your solutions not based on your own knowledge but focus on your market focus on the farmers themselves that's how you, you uh will get the most valuable lessons uh in your industry yeah i think that's a one piece of advice i can give from my experience Thank you very much to Sally for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Beats podcast. It is really exciting to learn how the aquaculture technology is in Indonesia. One of my favorite parts of this episode was how Benu provide affordable technology for fish farmers and cope with the challenges. I also think that learning how Benu started and what motivated them was amazing. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to sharing another digital egg story with you next week on Farm Beats. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email on Twitter or in the interview sections of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats. 